0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه جماعين ربي أسر ولا تعسر وتم بالخير بك نستعين ويا فتاح اللهم علمنا ما جهلنا وذكرنا ما نسينا وزدنا علما ونعود بك من حال أهل النار وصل الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه جماعين الحمد لله رب العالمين <تصفيق> السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us the opportunity to sit for a little while to discuss uh, the topic of ulum al-Qur'an. And I wish to go directly into the presentation, inshallah, and uh, for those who might be listening, inshallah, we intend um, having this lessons uh, recorded also, inshallah, and it will be uploaded onto the website of the masjid, inshallah, so whoever wishes to see the notes that we are presenting, would be able to download it and follow it also, even if they are unable to uh, be part of the program now, inshallah. Well, the topic that we are discussing is Uloom al-Qur'an. And uh, to dissect the introduction, Uloom is the plural of the word ilm in Arabic. Ilm, we translate it as knowledge, and the person who bears the knowledge is called an alim, and linguistically, it actually refers to a person who understands the purpose of the alam of the universe. The word alam means universe or the creation of Allah. alameen. So alam means that which has been created by Allah. The alim is the one who understands the purpose for which that was created, and ilm is the means with which a person is has the ability to reach that particular understanding. <coughs> So Al-Qur'an, Inshallah, we will. So this is the uloom, the various sciences or knowledges related to Al-Qur'an the Qur'an is what we normally understand as the revealed book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam but there's a bit more to it than just that and inshallah I wish to elaborate on that so we can have a, greater, a better understanding of how this word is used and what it actually refers to. So, what, is, what exactly is ulumul al-Qur'an to be simply in reality, it's like a bird's eye view which we wish to present of the Holy Quran. And we will see the following. These are some of the sciences and topics and discussions related to the knowledge of Quran. These are all the uloom and the sciences related to the Quran. So we'll start from the bottom we have, which is the easiest, the jweed and the recitation, which deals with... The outward form of revelation which was taught by Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. sallam. Going on to the next one, we have the Makki and Madani, those verses which were revealed uh, prior to... When we say Makki and Madani, it doesn't necessarily mean that the verse was revealed in Makkah or Medina. But generally the Mufassirin say it refers to verses revealed before Hijrah and after Hijrah. So if Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi happened to be outside Medina Munawwara, then too it would be called a Madani, a, Madina, a Madinite verse because it happened after the hijrah. The next we will have, I'm just going to run through some of them, the stories of the Anbiya, a.s. the purpose of which was to uh, encourage Rasulullah wasallam at his time of adversity and difficulty. A very important subject also related to Ulum Al-Quran is the compilation of the Quran, how it was compiled, and what were the measures taken by the Sahaba r.a.w. during the life of Rasulullah and even after him to ensure that the Quran was preserved. Because this is One of the points which we will discuss in the later lessons, insha'Allah, the objections made against the Qur'an and its authenticity is that it was compiled and collected by the Sahaba after the demise of Rasulullah, which is actually uh, a fallacy and untrue. So this is also a separate subject discussing the procedure and the methodology of the compilation of the script and the text of the Qur'an. Then... Amongst the, the topics in the Qur'an and the, the sciences mentioned in Qur'an is the history of previous nations. Then we have true prophecies where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed certain verses indicating to things which could only be known by the creator of the universe. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, Allah says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he's created uh, the horse, the, the, the donkey, and the mule. For adornment and for you to use as a conveyance. And Allah will create such types of conveyances which you do not know. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives indications to many things which eventually would unfold in the future, which was not uh, within the grasp of the Sahaba to be able to comprehend. And therefore it was not elaborated upon in their time. We have uh, morality and ethics. We have the memorization of the Quran, which is a separate science altogether it is a separate effort in which a person is endeavoring to memorize every letter from the Bismillahir rahmanir rahman rahim the Ba of Bismillah, till the scene of Min al-Jinnati nas Because that itself in totality is the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <clears throat> and the scholars say if you put the Ba and scene together, you get Bas. Bas in Arabic is sufficient, it's enough. In other words, there isn't going to be a letter more, nor will there be a letter decreased or removed or deleted from the Qur'an The message of the Qur'an is complete. Then another thing which is discussed amongst the ulumul Qur'an is the misunderstood verses. Sometimes because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has presented the Qur'an and the explanation was given by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the text is in front of us but the text needs to be explained and elaborated upon by a teacher. And this is why the Qur'an was given to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam via Jibreel alayhi wa sallam. So it is possible that a person can misunderstand the verse. And the misunderstanding could be, even if he's Arabic speaking, and the misunderstanding could increase, or the possibility of misunderstanding could potentially increase even more so if a person doesn't understand Arabic, because every, these languages, or the Arabic language in particular, is a very deep language. It's not very superficial. There's many things related to the root words and, and the context in which certain things are expressed. So if you just take a loose translation of a verse... It is very easy that it could be misunderstood. Then we have above that nasikh and mansukh. Nasikh and mansukh is abrogations. Certain verses were revealed, and at a later stage, when, for example, uh, the the and the ruling was regards to intoxicants. So it gradually uh, khumar and intoxicants became haram, and one verse abrogated the previous verse. So now, if a person is not aware of the sequence of the abrogation and the cancellation of one verse over the other. And it's possible to read one verse which says, for example, initially the instruction was ya amanu, la sukara. Do not go close to salah while you are in a state of intoxicants. So you think, okay, if it's not salah time, so between fajr and dhuhr it's quite a long gap. You know? Not realizing that this is actually part of a sequence of revelation and it was abrogated by another verse. In which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gradually uh, prepared the Sahaba radiallahu anhum from that environment of Jahiliyyah to detach themselves from that which was prohibited. We have the various sciences, even the science uh, which is discussed in, in our various uh, faculties uh, related to the creation in astronomy, with regards to the body, the anatomy, all these things are also uh, indicated to in the verses of the Quran. Obviously, there's no elaboration, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes such a reference which could only be given by him, the creator of uh, the entire universe. Then we have, if you go a little further, we have Asbabun Nuzul. Asbabun Nuzul means to understand and the, the science related to uh, knowing the background and the context in which the verse was revealed. So when a verse is revealed, what was something which could have been the, the motivation or the apparent reason for the, the, the revelation of that particular verse so it's very important to know why the verse was revealed, what happened at the time when the verse was revealed so that we do not quote the verse out of context. These are all some of the things. We have hadith. Hadith is the greatest tafsir and, and, and commentary of, of the Quran because it is the explanation of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So we will discuss that also in one of the lessons, inshallah, in great detail the importance of having the hadith support and uh, clarify the meaning of, of the Quran because we do have, and Rasulullah sallallahu predicted this in a hadith, that there will be a group of people before Qiyamah who would say that uh, I have the Qur'an in front of me. What is there, why is there a need for me to take anybody else's word? In other words, trying to ignore the teaching of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So it would be impossible without the hadith to be able to deduce from the Qur'an the methodology of performing two rakats of salah. The instruction of salah, is, the injunction of salah is mentioned in the, hadith, in the Qur'an. But the details of how the salah should be performed was given by Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Then we have fiqh. Next, the qiraat is the, the sciences of the variant recitals of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The dialects, you see the Arabic language, is a very mature language. And in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, there were various dialects besides the dialect of the Quraysh. And... Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was given this dispensation and allowance by Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala to teach certain tribes or people a variant methodology of reciting perhaps they would have like we have accents that would be a better phrase perhaps an accent so you know in South Africa we've got the Cape Town accent and you've got the Johannesburg accent and you have got the like a Durban accent so uh, in Cape Town for example they would say car you know for a car we say car they say car but the essence of the word is the same. The manifestation or the sound of it comes a bit different. And this is why sometimes, and our one of our imams, Qadir Hudayfa, sometimes he recites in one of these variant readings. It is a sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So you'll hear a word being pronounced a little differently. But it is actually just a different accent which Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught the Sahaba radhiyallahu anhum, especially those people who were habitual of their particular their accent. It was difficult for them to immediately adapt. To the accent of the Quraysh and to be able to recite the Qur'an in that manner. The next is uh, fiqh, which is jurisprudence, the essence of our whole deen. Uh, How do we carry out every aspect of our life with our salah, with our zakah, with our hajj, with our umrah, with our business. Uh, All the ahkam and masail related to it has been derived from the Qur'an. Da'wah and uh, inviting towards uh, deen, it has been established in the Qur'an through the stories of the Anbiya, a.s. We have various of the other we have tafsir uh, politics we have aqida arabic grammar and i'm not going to go into all of them orientalism uh, that is actually discussing how people in the in the guise of islam uh, try to misrepresent the teachings of islam uh, from from within so this is just a brief uh, glimpse on the ulum of quran and obviously we cannot touch on all of them now normally in uh, the Sharia course which they have in Islamic universities or Darul Urums, this is uh, part of what is studied and related to the Quran. And a true alim is the one who excels in all of them. And we are all students of deen. You know? So uh, the, the, the Fuqaha and the jurors of Islam, they spent uh, decades. Imam Abu Yusuf was a student of Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah. He spent more than 30 years with Imam Abu Hanifa. And uh, then he became... Alim. So, in our context, sometimes the word alim is a word used, but the true meaning of the word alim, like I said, is the one who understands the functioning and the, the purpose behind the alam. And this is why the ulama say that when an alim dies, mutul alim, alam. They say when alim dies, it's like the world has died. It's actually when an alim dies, that alim who understands the, the, the purpose for the existence of this alam and the universe, when he dies, it's as if The the universe has died, has suffered a great loss. Okay, so just briefly to go through some of the the scholars who have written on the subject. We can also um, go through them, inshallah. Imam Al-Zarkashi, and he passed away in 794. He's got a book called Al-Burhan, which has been translated. The uh, more famous is Imam Jalaluddin Al-Suyuti, who's a famous Shafi'i scholar. He's got the famous book called Al-Itqan Fi Ulumi Al-Qur'an. Um, this is also, uh, some scholars have uh, translated it. I'm not sure if the translation is complete, though. So Imam al-Suyuti is one of the, the giants of, uh, of Islam. He wrote a commentary on the Qur'an, which was started by his teacher. His, teacher was na- his name was also Jalaluddin uh, al-Mahalli. So there's a famous book of tafsir taught in the Darul Ulums called Jalalain, the tafsir of the two jalals, because the teacher wrote 15 uh, ajza, 15 paras, and he passed away. And then Imam Suyuti, uh, he took up the courage to complete the tafsir of his, of his teacher. It's a very, it's a very intricate um, tafsir. It's not a straightforward tafsir. It's got all the linguistic and uh, the, the intricacies of the recitation and how the grammar of the, of the, the Quran works. So, but he wrote it in such a way that if you have to read any part of that tafsir, you wouldn't know which one is written by the teacher. And which was written by the by the student and the ulama say this. In fact, my ustad, Azal mufti Radal Haq Dama Barakatum says he always pondered why is it that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gave this particular tafsir prominence? And there were there's many other tafsirs and commentaries of the Quran. He says it seems to be the sincerity of the student who had the ability to try to to indicate to his own knowledge. He could have put some signs. Okay, this is my point that I'm mentioning. And it's, not, it's different from my teachers. But he wrote it identical to his teacher's tafsir to conceal the knowledge that Allah had given him. So this sincerity resulted in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepting his tafsir up to this day. He passed away 991 and we in 1440. And his book is still being taught. So if that is not a legacy, I don't know what is. And by the way, he wrote that uh, 15 paras tafsir in 40 days. And he was 21 years old. Okay, Our 21 years old chaps are like. Yes. Uh, yes, in? Okay. The next one is uh, Imam Al Zarqani. And his book is Manahil Irfan. This is also on the, on the topic of Ulum Al Quran. And we have uh, Sheikh Al Sabuni. He's passed away, uh, Rahimahullah, last year. He's got the book called at and this uh, is not translated yet. Okay, Ahmed from Denver, and he is an introduction to the sciences of the Holy Quran. And the last one is a very good read, and you do get the English translation available in our bookshops locally here uh, in uh, Johannesburg. He is the book of uh, the Chief Justice Mufti Taqi Uthmani? Ta'ala Barakatum. He is. This was prepared now in December, so he was he's seventy-five. Um, an approach to the Quranic sciences. So these are some of the books, inshallah. You can uh, have a look at them at your leisure at a later stage, inshallah. So the next part of our discussion is, why is the Quran called Quran? So scholars have mentioned two possible roots for the word Quran. In Arabic, the word qara'a means to read. Or it means also to collect. Qara'a yaqra'u, to collect something. So because reading comprises of the collection of words and letters. This is why uh, the Quran, which also comprises of huruf and letters and words, is called Quran. This is one of the the, the roots of where the word comes from, Al-Quran. And reading, in fact, in fact, is essentially one of the foundations of our culture and our, and our legacy, which is something we are becoming very weak in. Uh, we do not find people frequenting the libraries, even if it be Um, reading books at home is something which is becoming uh, a rare commodity. And it is the first injunction given to us, iqra, to recite. The more a person, the nation that reads is actually the one that leads. The one that reads becomes the nation that leads. And the nation that doesn't read, they are the ones that are followers. So one of the meanings is uh, a collection, and because the Quran actually, in fact, is a collection of verses and ayat, so this is one of the reasons it is called Al-Quran. Another reason for it being called Qur'an, قرآ يقرآ Qur'anan is um, the root word for which comes in the meaning of something which is recited. So in the meaning of maqru So the Qur'an is something which is often recited and this is why it's called Qur'an. And the, amongst the many names as we would see, the that the scholars have given and it derived from the verses of the Qur'an. These are some of the names other than the famous name of Qur'an. The word Qur'an is the most famous because amongst the, the threats of the mushrikeen, they would threaten people that do not listen to this Qur'an and when you hear it being recited and people are gathering around it, they make a noise and ensure that you disrupt the gathering. So the ulama say this is why it became even more important to call it Qur'an because as much as they would want to extinguish the flame of the recitation of the Quran and the light of the Quran, they would not be able to do so. Amongst the names of the Quran, one is Al Furqan, the criterion, and this is derived from the verse of the Quran, Tabarrak ladhi nazzal al-Furqana ala Abdihi liyakuna lil ala mina That glory be to that being who has revealed Al-Furqan on his servant, Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So that he may be for the alam, the other word alam comes, comes again. For the entire universe, a warner. Another name is al-dhikr, the advice. Also derived from the verse of the Quran in the 14th Jews, Inna Most certainly we have revealed al-dhikr, the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we will protect the Quran. And this is why a hafidh is called a hafidh. Because Allah has used him as the means to safeguard and protect the Quran. The third is Al-Kitab, and ulama have enumerated up to 90 names of the Qur'an, but these are just the famous names, Al-Kitab, the book. And the famous verse in Surah Baqara, ذَلِكَ Kitabu La Muttaqin." This is the book in which there is no doubt. The word Dalika can be used to indicate something at a distance or something close. Um, somebody might ask at this point, but in the Qur'an it says that this is the book. But in the time of Rasulullah wasallam, it was not in the form of a book. Yes, it was documented in its entirety. But the compilation happened in the time of Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq. So the word kitab, one of the meaning of kitab is also its a root word, and it comes in the meaning of maktub, that which has been written and documented. So one is in the form of a book which we recite between two covers, and one is in the meaning of something which has been documented. So this which has been documented from Rasulullah sallallahu is also the book. And that which was those documents then put together by Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu and the unanimity uh, of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum is also the same uh, text and the book which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. La rayba fi. there is no doubt therein. Hudallil muttaqeen, it is a, mean of guidance, a means of guidance for the Muttaqin. And the, the fourth name is At-Tanzil. The revelation, Tanzilumil Rabbil Alamin, which the meaning of which is obvious. The going on to our next point, Wahi and divine revelation. So, what is Wahi? Linguistically speaking, it means to signify or to sign something, to to give some type of gesture, whether it be metaphorically or actually giving a signal, whether it be in writing and in, that's linguistically. In terms of Sharia, the word wahi is exclusively uh, referring to a revelation or inspiration. Revelation or inspiration. It's a bit of a general term, and we will elaborate on that as we go for, uh, further. So, what is the need for wahi and revelation? So, one is the linguistic meaning of, of wahi, which means a swift gesture, a sign uh, to, to signify, to indicate. These are some of the linguistic meanings of the word wahi. And in, in terms of sharia, it means revelation and inspiration. The reason why we make this distinction is because in the Quran, there are certain verses in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used the Arabic phrase of wahi. But for for example, the verses we will discuss and I will touch on it insha'Allah. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made wahi to the bee. that you make your, your hives in high places and in in, in, in where they should in the places where they should be making their the, the hives. So the question would come then, I mean, how is the word wahi in the meaning of revelation applying to a bee? So this is where the linguistic meaning comes into effect that we understand from the outset that wahi, when it is used generally for other creation, it refers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspiring them to do that which they have been designed to do. So they're inspired to do something, and the word wahi would mean would have that particular meaning. And in terms of sharia, it will, it will be exclusively Uh, ...used for revelation upon a Nabi and a messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what is the need for wahi? Wahi is that revelation which guides us to understand what the purpose of our existence is in this world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the various sources of knowledge as we can see. The five senses, we have intellect, true testimony, and the last is wahi. So the five senses... Uh, A gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us whether it be the sight, our hearing the faculties that we do possess and these faculties that we have they have limits so if there's somebody in front of me and um, with my faculties I can see that this person it's a male in front of me I can see his complexion, I can see the shape of his face I can see the color of his eyes Okay, and that's the function of these senses and if I wish to now use my intellect to determine those same facts with my eyes closed, then the intellect would fall short of being able to identify the reality of what we are looking at. So, the senses have got a particular function, and where the senses end, the intellect then goes into into effect, and where the intellect comes to an end, so for example, we see the person, and we can see it's a it's a male and we can see the features and whatever now our intellect tells us that this person is a human being he must have had a mother must have had a father and he must have had a creator for him to be in existence but there is no proof which we can actually understand of his existence because we were not there when he was born or created so this is where Wahy comes into into effect to explain the purpose of for which Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has created, for which Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has created this individual. You can come closer, but yes, just place it, inshallah Okay. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has given wahi to highlight and show us the methodology of finding out the purpose for which we have been created, and Merely a person's intellect would not be sufficient because many times we'll find the hukum of sharia, uh, it seems to be it's based totally on the command of Allah and not dependent on our intellect. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu said, لو He said, if, if our deen was only based on intellect, then when wiping the leather sock in your wudu, uh, it would have been more appropriate to wipe the bottom part of the sock rather than the upper part because that, which is, that is what is exposed to impurities or the potential uh, uh, impurities or najasa. So wahi is that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has given us via the Anbiya salatu to understand the haqqa'iq of things, the reality of things. Because in this dunya, there are the external forms of things and there are the haqqa'iq and the reality behind things. And Rasulullah gave a beautiful example of that, where he said, حُجِبَتِ الْجَنَّةُ وَحُجِبَتِ الْنَارُ That Jannah has been disguised and covered with difficulty and tests and trials and tribulations, and Jahannam has been disguised and covered with shahawat, the temptations and beautiful things. So if a person receives wahi and the teachings of the Anbiya alayhim he is able to look at something and identify the haqiqah and the reality behind that and he is not deceived by the external form of that particular creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here we will just touch on the, the word wahi being used in the Qur'an. And the reason why we discuss all these things is because these are topics which generally we do not uh, touch on, whether it be in our Jumu'ah talks or even our other programs, and these are things which we need to be exposed to. We are exposed to everything else out in this dunya. Our children are exposed to it, whether it be variant type of objections against Islam, against the Qur'an, against our aqeedah, against our belief. And as parents also, we're not equipped, and as a community, we're not equipped. And the most that we say when somebody poses an objection is, oh, it's, it's batil, it's haram. No, no, no. That's not sufficient sometimes to explain or to convince the child of the correct teachings of Sharia. So we need to equip ourselves also, inshallah, and try to understand the various terminologies, the various ulum and sciences which are there for the defense and the protection of our deen. And uh, that will be a means, inshallah, with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his tawfiq, for us to be used to protect his deen, inshallah. Uh, this is the, one of the verses in which the word wahi is used. فَخَرَجَ عَلَىٰ, قومي, فخرج على قَوْمِهِ مِنَ المحراب. Referring to Sayyidina زكريا alayhi salam While observing his fast of silence There was a type of fast of silence in the previous sharia uh, And here he says So Zakaria alayhi was unable to speak So he made signs and gestures towards them The word wahi, This is the proof that the word wahi In its linguistic form is also used In a form of gesture or a message which is not spoken this is the first verse in which the word wahi has been used. Uh, the, the, the second verse is, which I alluded to, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired the bees a way to build their homes. So this doesn't mean that bees now received revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it is a wahi of inspiration guiding them to that, for that which they have been created. And, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَا لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍ عَدُوًّا And like that we have created for every Nabi an enemy from the shayateen of human beings and jinn. Shayateen al-insi wal jinn yuhi ba'duhum ila ba They make wahi from one to the other. In other words, they inspire one another or they guide one another to that which is pure deviation and disobedience. And this is what Imam al-Ghazali rahimahullah says. He says, you find there's two groups in the life of a human being. And this is why we have fluctuating halat in our life. Sometimes a person has... What Abdullah ibn Mas'ud says Iqbal a person He's inclining to do something good And sometimes he just feels held back He wants to do but he doesn't He's unable to So Imam al-Ghazali rahimahullah says In the life of a human being you have If a person is in the state of Of dhikr and remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala In some activity of deen consciously Then the malaika They support him and they, they make dua for him and they encourage him to do something better. So he started one good deed. Maybe he started with doing some tasbihat. Started perhaps joining in one amal of deen. Started recitation of a few verses of the Quran. So if he is regular with that, you'll an, call another angel and say, okay, give him some encouragement to do something else. And this way he increases in his goodness. So on the other hand, as soon as there is some ghafla and a person becomes neglectful, a shaitan comes and this is where the word khannas comes in the Quran khannasa is the poker so shaitan comes and he pokes in the hadith it is mentioned it's like he sits on the heart of a believer like a mosquito and as soon as there is a moment of, of neglect he injects into, into the heart and a person now becomes a bit lethargic and lazy and he doesn't want to do what he's supposed to be doing so one shaitan does that and then he calls his friend and he says come come you, you, you try something else so like a rugby ball you know passing it down the line this is how the shayateen, they massage the heart of a person, and they make gestures to one another, and you come and you try, what see what you can do to deceive this person. The shayateen, they also uh, inspire and they, they make gestures to their friends so that their friends may fight the believers. So once again, wahiya being used in the linguistic sense. These are just... Uh, repetitive, inshallah, for us to uh, understand the, the, the concept and the point. Another one is, وَأَوْحَيْنَا ila ummi Musa. We revealed to the mother of Musa, salam. Yeah, Here, some people misunderstood this verse to say that, okay, so she also received prophethood. But this was actually in fact a, a divine inspiration unto her, what she needed to do to protect her child. And sometimes this can come in the form of a dream as well. So an uh, That she was told to, to place him in the basket and throw him in the water and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised. So completely it seems to be against reason but this is a divine inspiration given to her by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which convinced her that she had to, uh, to carry it out. Then the wahi that was received by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of six types. So now we're talking about the Sharia term of wahi in the meaning of revelation. Before we go on to this, um, perhaps just the definition of the Qur'an, a bit more in detail, uh, which I didn't touch on, which I should have mentioned a little earlier, is that which was revealed upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa al-lafzul munazzal, that word which has been revealed on Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Al maktubu fil masahif, which has been written and documented in the in the copies of the Qur'an. Al to be tawatur. That which has been established with a chain of tawatur. Tawatur is a term in sharia which means it has something which has been transmitted from the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi in every generation by so many people that it is impossible, intellectually impossible, that they could have fabricated it at one time. So, in every generation, there are so many people who, who transmit the same verses, the same ayat of the Quran. It is impossible that somebody could say, perhaps they got together and they planned that we're going to fabricate and make this and attribute it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-mutabaddu bi-tilawatihi, And we have been instructed to recite the verses of the Quran as ibadah. This is one of the distinguishing factors between Quran and hadith. So the Quran is recited and its recitation itself is ibadah. The hadith of Rasulullah, yes, you do get reward for reciting the hadith of Rasulullah. But if somebody after Surah Al Fatiha decides to read, after Al Fatiha, <inaudible> the salah will be invalidated because we have not been instructed to recite it as an ibadah in our ibadah. Whereas a sign of the, the, the Quran being Quran is that it is. An injunction of Sharia that we recite, it and its recitation is part of our ibadah. Okay, back to the, the points of wahi, the types of wahi. The first is Rasulullah sallallahu said that this was the most difficult type of wahi, which which was revealed upon him, in which uh, it would be it would sound like ringing bells, the ringing of bells. Uh, the muhaddithin explain this to be possibly. Maan Anwar Kashmiri, rahmatullah says that could be the sound Rasulullah was hearing of the flapping of the wings of the Malaika. So the abundance of Malaika coming at the time of revelation with Jibreel was so intense that it sounded like Nabi gave this description for the Sahaba to understand. Another meaning given by Muhyiddin Ibn Arabi also mentioned by Ma'ana Anwar Shah Kashmiri rahimahullah, he says, is that the Example of a bell is actually to show that this is a bit of an intricate thing and I would like to share it with you when, a, when you hear the sound of a bell it's difficult to pinpoint the exact location of the bell The sound seems to be coming from multiple directions When you hear a bell, then you cannot exactly pinpoint the location And this is an indication to the attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That this wahi is coming from Allah, that Allah that is free from any direction Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have any direction, he is not found in any place, he doesn't have any resemblance to his creation. And this is also very, another important, this is a separate topic on its own, discussing our aqidah and belief with regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because this is one of the main uh, challenges we do face in our communities and uh, as the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi Wasallam, in which there are people who attribute certain qualities to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of his creation, for example, they would say that he resides in the sky, which is actually the belief of the Nasara, who believe the way they would say, Our Father which art in heaven. This is the words of, of uh, the Nasara and the Christians. And as Muslims, we believe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free from any place. And, and this, which is, now that I'm on this particular point, I will just share it with you. We have to end. Um, sometimes people say, you know, Allah is everywhere. This is just the, the commonly spoken sentence which is not academically based in sharia okay it's important for us to understand that because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Na Ali an in the sahaba anhum and this was a teaching of of the sahaba up to this time but there's a famous sentence Allah, allah was in existence and there was no place Wahu al-an and allah ex- is exactly in existence now the way he was without the need of a place place is the creation direction is a creation all these things are created by Allah. And Allah is not restricted by what he has created. Khairan. Continuing, and the second type of, of wahi is the angel coming in a human form. And this is a very famous Sayyidina Dihya Al-Kalbi was one of the Sahaba in whose forms uh, Sayyidina Jibril Alayhi salam would come. In fact, once uh, uh, Sayyidina Abu Dharr Al-Ghifari passed by and he saw Dihya Al-Kalbi with Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Sayyidina Jibreel said that that is Abu Dhar passing by and Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, oh, you know Abu Dhar? Uh, so Jibril alayhi said, "Yes, he is more famous in the heavens than he is here on earth." Uh, the third is the, the angel coming in his angelic form to meet Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Said Najibillah alayhi in his original form on three occasions. Rasulullah sallallahu uh, saw Jibril alayhi uh, and particularly the night of Wahi, uh, the night of Mi'araj was when of ascension. Rasulullah sallallahu saw him in his original form, and whatever was discussed from Wahy was given in that particular form the fourth is true dreams and this was especially in the beginning part of the nubuwa of rasulullah he would see dreams and he said i would see dreams at night and then when i wake up in the morning it says if i'm seeing the manifestation of that dream just playing out in front of me with the clearness of the morning the way he sees the dream exactly that's how uh, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would show him the reality the next day. But this doesn't mean that a person who sees true dreams is, is reaching a level of prophethood. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says it, it is a portion of nubuwa to see a true dream but that doesn't make a person who sees a true dream multiple times uh, any closer to prophethood because the doors of prophethood have been, have been sealed. Yes, it is a true sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that is another topic related to our ulum al-Qur'an also, understanding the, how dreams work and uh, what they do mean. Then the fifth is direct discourse with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly, like the night of, of Mi'raj, directly uh, made kalam with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he heard the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the sixth is inspiration into the heart. Nabi sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, inna al qudus, that uh, Jibreel, alayhi salam, al-qafi rawi. He, he puts something in my heart. So there's something which comes directly into the heart of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I think we... Let me just see. Yeah, that's really nearly done, alhamdulillah. I thought we're not going to cover. The types of wahi, so we have wahi, revelation. Then there's two types. Wahi matlu, which is recited. So the Qur'an is that revelation which is recited. And the second type is wahi ghayr matlu, it is also wahi and revelation upon Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi but it, the word matlu comes from the word tilawa. If you can hear the letters of tilawa and recitation therein, so that has two types, categories. The first is hadith, the trans, the, uh, the tradition and the transmission of the words, actions uh, of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that which has endorsed. Anything done in front of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he endorsed it. it is also part of his sunnah. Then we have Hadith Qudisi. It's also parts of Wahi. Hadith We'll cons- very often we'll hear um, a scholar saying that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says. So what is the difference between that and Qur'an? Qur'an is what Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says and Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has been given the wording of what Allah says and you have to transmit those particular words. And Hadith Qudusi is the words that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said but Nabi Sallallahu expresses it in his own words. So it's not Qur'an but it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the explanation given by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or the words chosen by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Therefore, Hadith Qudsi will not be recited as, as Qur'an. On the other side we have the wahi which is matlu and recited is the quran al kareem and every part of its recitation uh, is uh, full of barakat and benefit, and if it is, if it is followed up with, with contemplation and amal, and with the intention of passing the, the knowledge of the Quran, then the reward increases manifold. And uh, Inshallah, next week we intend with the will of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that Allah gives us the to, to discuss the following points: what's the difference between Quran, Hadith, Hadith Qudsi, which I touched on now, um, the legal authority of Hadith proven from Quran. This is a very very important uh, question, which sometimes we are asked. That are you coming with hadith, Bukhari and Muslim? Where are you coming with all these things? We've got the Quran, isn't it enough for our guidance? Dalika al Kitab, this is the book for our guidance. Why are you coming with Bukhari and Muslim? We're talking about the four Imams. Then the next is uh, preservation of the Quran. Me, uh, uh, of Quran means preservation of hadith. In other words, they are intertwined and they, they are interdependent. And the dangers of the Quran only movement. The connection between Quran and Hadith, inshallah. we've touched on some of that but inshallah a little more detail we will uh, delve into inshallah in the next uh, dars. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability and tawfiq to understand the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as it was explained to us by the illustrious ulama of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah. May Allah give us the ability to be a means of uh, presenting the true deen of Islam with the akhlaq and the character of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and may he make us firm in the understanding of deen so that when we are uh, in a position that we need to give some response, at least we are firstly convinced of what we are talking about and not just, we do not become shaken by any feeble or superficial objection which is made uh, by people who are attacking the, the creed of Ahlul sunnah wal-Jamaah. Wa akhiru da'wana Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen.